Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Save up to $450 on a Gibson Les Paul Studio Deluxe, up to $900 on a Gibson Les Paul Trad Pro 4, or save up to 20% on other select Gibson guitars. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in store now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a February 8th Wednesday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com. Sometimes at the Associated Press, former Blazer be writer at the Vancouver Columbian. What's up? Uh, sorry that we didn't have a podcast last night, uh, and thank you to Dan Carbaugh for covering me on Sunday. I had some some family circumstances that uh, played a part in my absence. Uh, had to deal with those. Had to be out of town for a few days. Deal with that stuff. Everything is is fine. Uh, everyone is fine. Uh, but, uh, I just had to be away. And then last night, uh, because of those things, I was unable to do a podcast late last night. I actually watched the, (laughs) I actually watched the second half of the Blazer game this morning because after being gone, going to work, all that, all that jazz, just, uh, really sorry about that. So I apologize for not being able to do that, but I hope you understand. We will keep on doing podcasts, uh, with regularity, I hope throughout the rest of the week. Uh, but I just wanted to let y'all know, uh, why we were having a little bit of a delay and not also having as many podcasts as, as nor as usual, because so there, there's your answer. Lots uh, and of course, uh, at the time that all this happens, CJ McCollum gets his first NBA game winner, and the Blazers lose Evan Turner for five to six weeks. So let's start with the big news first. That of course is Turner breaking his right hand. I believe it was the third metacarpal in his right hand. Uh, the Blazers sent out a press release today, officially announcing him being out for about five to six weeks is what the Blazers are saying. And it will not require surgery, but he will have to be in a cast for a, a little while. And we'll, we'll see when he can come back soon because five to six weeks sounds about right. A couple of years ago, I remember Robin Lopez broke a hand and he was back in less than two months. So, uh, it's happened before, and I think Kevin Love also tried to come back uh, from an injury like that. But sometimes when you come back a little too soon, sometimes you're more vulnerable, the bone isn't as strong, and you run into problems there. So with 29 games left in the season, Turner may miss 
uh, is going to miss a majority of those games down the stretch of the season, even in uh, an optimistic projection of when he will be back. So they're going to be without Turner for a while, and that loss really hurts because even though his plus-minus this season has been an overall net negative for the Blazers over the last couple of weeks, the Blazers seem to have found, at least in a small sample, some success with him on the court. And that was, in large part, the the success happened moving him to the starting lineup. And by moving him to the starting lineup, it seemed like they found a place for him to be on the court and be effective as uh, really the point guard for that unit, helping Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum get off the ball and... It seems like his, at least in in that context over those these past couple of weeks since the the Philadelphia game, that that was just a better use of his skills. That his playmaking was more useful when surrounded by players like Lither and McCollum than they were surrounded by Alan Crabb at Davis and, and and the combination of uh, of CJ as well when he's out there and and maybe having two guys like Lither and McCollum helped him. Noah Vonley was really not good in that role, at least in terms of an offensive rebounder, uh, to to pick up some of the pieces and, and miss shots and, and and try and get some more possessions that way. Which extra possessions have been hard for the Blazers to come by this year. That lineup uh, wasn't it wasn't overwhelmingly good, but it seemed to be one of the better places to to use Turner and to use Vonley. And now I'm assuming that they will go back to their original starting lineup from the start of the season, which has been, in terms of plus minus, one of their best lineups, probably their best lineup in terms of lineups that have really seen the floor. Lillard, McCollum, Harkless, Aminu, and Plumley. I think they'll go back to that. But uh, I wonder who gets to play more, and I wonder what this does to the bench. Is this just going to be... The second unit will be even more so the CJ show, which it should be at this point. I don't think anybody can really argue that they should go another direction with the second unit offense, which it kind of has been more of that lately. But uh, now I'm I'm sure Crab will get more minutes. Uh, I'm sure Harkless and Aminu will be back in the starting lineup because I, I don't know where they go from here. Maybe they do something like like put Jake Lehman in the starting lineup, but they don't really have a playmaker there, but at least Lehman is a good shooter. Pat Connaughton, to me, is a little bit undersized to play the starting three. So I don't I, I don't know where they go. I, it seemed like moving Aminu and Harkless to the bench has been helpful to for this team to have some stability and, and, and defense and versatility with their second units. But now without Turner, I wonder where they go. So uh, my my the most smart money would be on Stotts going back to the starting lineup that started the season, just because now you don't ha- you're not forced to find a way to make Turner more effective. I would imagine that Vonley wouldn't play very much. I would think that this injury maybe vaults Myers Leonard back into the rotation a little bit on the back end have more of that Davis Leonard look, which was good for them last year. 
I'm not sure, but I, I, I if I had to if I had to guess, I would guess that they go back to that starting lineup because they're trying to make the playoffs. I know the bench units haven't worked for them, but now you don't have to deal with the Turner factor on the bench and trying to figure out how to make him useful. So maybe that simplifies things for the Blazers a little bit. Not to say that they're going to be better without him because they've been pretty they've been pretty good with him playing in the starting lineup more lately, but. Uh, it, it's an interesting. It's gonna be an interesting time for the Blazers because it, we'll really get to see now whether Turner was kind of a, a little bit of a a little the problem as a lot of people thought he was earlier in the season with his terrible plus minus and and the team not playing well with him. They've played much better over the past month, six weeks, and Turner has been a major reason why they've played a little bit better lately. His field goal percentage was the best it has been in any month in January, and it seemed like he really helped them tread water at a time when Damian Lillard's three-pointers have not been going down. But uh, now I guess the Blazers need to hope that Lillard continues the strong play that he showed against the Dallas Mavericks in Tuesday's victory. So led with the Evan Turner injury because that's the biggest news of the day and the most impactful news for the Blazers' future. But the Blazers did have a game last night, as I mentioned, that they won uh, in, in, I wouldn't say impressive fashion, but in entertaining fashion. C.J. McCollum had, I think, seven straight points late in this game, including his first NBA game winner, answering a three-pointer from Dirk Nowitzki that put the Mavericks up by one with only four or five seconds left on the clock. And I think it was less than four seconds. And and and, and McCollum, with almost no time left on the clock, knocks down a floater. The Blazers ran a, uh, one that set where they pick a... They set a backside flare screen on Lillard's man where Lillard goes back towards the rim to kind of set up for an alley-oop. But Mason Plumlee didn't go with that first read, even as Lillard looked to have a little bit of daylight and waited for McCollum to come to the ball. They had Wes on, they had Wes Matthews on Lillard, but uh, they decided to to get the ball in McCollum's hands, who had been the, the scorer down the stretch for them. And he made... Uh, a C.J. McCollum shot that he made a shot that he always makes, and the thing with C.J. McCollum now is it, it, the conversation is starting. I mean, who do you want taking the shot late in games? And I'm starting to become uh, a, a real believer in 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 at least C.J. should be getting at least half of the plays called for him at least because his the way he gets shots is just so easy and he makes it always look so easy and he always gets to his spot. I know he's not as good of a uh, passer or, or creator uh, as, as Lillard is, but a lot of the guys on the wings that play down the stretch in these games aren't making threes for the Blazers. So that kind of hurts a little bit of Lillard's value when guys who he's getting open aren't knocking down shots. Al Camino is obviously a guy that I'm talking about because he's their best defender. He's on the floor quite a bit at the end of games and can't make threes this year. And 
the more I watch this team, the more I want the ball in CJ's hands down the stretch because I know that he can get a shot. And I think uh, sometimes, I, I think one maybe negative byproduct of Damian Lillard getting to the line more and getting more calls is that down the stretch of games, it seems like he's going for those calls. And he, and when he doesn't get them, uh, it's really frustrating because if you're if you're counting on the official to ba- bail you out, which has happened a few times this year with Lillard down the stretch in games, that, that, that hurts sometimes because the official is not going to call it every time. They're not consistent. They're human beings. So the, they're not going to call every single thing of contact but when CJ has the ball he doesn't get to the line as much as Lillard does and that and that hurts him a lot in in terms of value and at least in terms of value but he can get a shot and when you need a basket you don't and you you're not looking for a, a call or something like that not to say that Lillard's doing that every time but I feel like McCollum is looking for that a lot less because he doesn't get those calls and so by not being used to getting those calls, he doesn't really think that they're going to call those late in games. And I feel like a lot of times, at least this season especially, I've I've felt like Lillard has tried to go for some of those uh, Chauncey Billups shots that he used to do. And and, and Billups was the king of this back in the day, the, the pump fake, lean in, create contact, and draw a foul for a three. But refs have gotten wise to that, especially late in games. I mean, Chauncey Billups was doing that 10 years ago, less than 10 years ago, or more than 10 years ago. So that that move is not something that that uh, you can always count on. And, and Lillard is is a tough shot maker, and and he and he can get to the rim, and he can get fouled, and he's a better playmaker, and he forces the defense to come out. And I think both of these guys are, are definitely worthy of having the ball in their hands. But if you if a shot is what you need, uh, uh, it, it's getting harder and harder for me to say that C.J. McCollum shouldn't be the guy to take those shots Uh, he can by by a lot of measures and this has been measured by several outlets and several writers who are very well versed in this McCollum might be the best shooter in the NBA so why wouldn't you want him taking the shots at the end of the game because what wherever he is on the court it's usually a good shot and Lillard has incredible range and uh, still think as a leader and playmaker, he has a lot. Uh, he gives you a lot more than CJ does right now. But w- when CJ is is on the court, man, it, it it's hard to stop him, and and he can get to his spot and he can get a shot anytime. And he's so crafty. I think his game's going to age really well, and it, it's hard not to want the ball in his hands now down the stretch. And last night he finally got his first game winner, and perhaps now we'll see a little bit more CJ down the stretch, not to say that we didn't see CJ getting the ball down the stretch last year, but I feel like last year was more of an accepted thing that down the stretch, it was Lillard time and nobody else's. And I think CJ is challenging that a little bit. And I'm, and I bet Damian Lillard would be the first one to tell you that he loves having some help. I know that Lillard really prides himself on being able to take over late, and that he really embraces that, obviously, uh, the, the watch thing and all that stuff. But I definitely think that he loves being able to have someone else that he can give the ball to late in game that is not only willing to have the pressure and willing to live with the result of that shot, but someone who's pretty 
darn good at getting those shots and knocking them down. So if CJ McCollum is going to get more crunch time looks, then I'm all for it because he is just so good in those situations. It feels like, and, and, and I, I want CJ with the ball in his hands. Now it's, it's, it's really, I mean, if you had to flip a coin for me, who, if you need a shot, it's hard for me to go against McCollum at this point. I think they both complicate each other. I don't think it has to be, uh, the, there doesn't have to be an either or scenario. And if for a defense, that's, that's really difficult. But, uh, I, I, when I would love to see CJ get the ball more late in these situations. And, and, and I, I think it really helps the Blazers down the stretch of these games to have two really good options. And speaking of options, I think when it comes to getting tickets for a sporting event or a concert, options are, are your friend. And I don't think anybody gives better options to sports fans or music fans than SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has always been a confusing process, and it's always hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell their tickets. I use SeatGeek over the the, the holidays to go to uh, the Blazers Raptors games with, with, with some of my friends that were from out of town, pulled up the app, found some tickets, measured the deals, looked at the deal score to see which ones were the best, and I got three tickets for me and my friends to go check out the game, and it, it was really easy and super convenient. And... As I said, they do all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Those are the options that I'm talking about. And they do all the work saving you time and money. And the deal score helps you get the most bang for your buck by ranking tickets on a 1 to 100 scale with 100 being the best deal and 1 being the worst. But the best thing about SeatGeek is that all of my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. And to collect that $20 rebate on your tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code and enter promo code LOBLAZERS and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOBLAZERS today. So the options are great for the Blazers down the stretch. And... I would like to illustrate how great CJ McCollum has been as an option. So we are 60 games in, I believe, uh, this season. Or not 60, 53. 53 games. 53 games into the season. And right now, CJ McCollum is fourth in the NBA in points in the fourth quarter. And Damian Lillard is seventh. So... Uh, those are two pretty darn good options. Lillard, uh, or has not been quite as efficient as McCollum though. McCollum might be the most efficient dude in crunch time in the league to the statistics. We go, this is from NBA.com. McCollum is shooting 58.7%. So basically 59% from the field and 52% from three in clutch situations. Isaiah Thomas, who has been seen stealing Damian Lillard's watch celebration, in addition to Steph Curry, who also 
has been stealing the Damian Lillard watch celebration or appropriating it, maybe, maybe Dame appropriation. Isaiah Thomas, 50% from the field, 47% from three. And CJ, is, at least in terms of efficiency, is blowing him out of the water. So I know these are small samples and these are 30-game sample for McCollum in the clutch. And the Blazers have had their clutch struggles, but it has not been because of McCollum's inability to create down the stretch. I mean, those numbers and also, by the way, 91.7% from the free throw line down the stretch of games. And... Lillard has not been as efficient, but you can kind of understand that because at this stage of his career, he's getting more attention from the best defensive players. I think people know what he's up to uh, when it comes to uh, the Blazers, so he has the most attention on him, but he obviously does not keep that, that does not keep him from shine, from from stepping up to the moment and trying to make things happen. He hasn't done it at as at an as an efficient rate as he had done it uh, in past seasons when he kind of earned that moniker of Lillard time and and the watch and all that stuff, but he's still super dangerous down the down the stretch of games and uh, still a guy that you don't want the ball in his hands if you're the opposing team. Lillard has that and teams respect that, so I definitely think that there's a, a factor there where CJ benefits from the reputation of Lillard being such a crunch time guy by having teams have more attention on him as they did last night with having Wesley Matthews on Damian Lillard, but it's kind of, there are uh, times like that where I almost think that the offense just just make Lillard a decoy and, and just run everything through CJ. Uh, for instance, matchups against the Warriors come to mind. Obviously, the Warriors are uber-talented championship team. Blazers are not anywhere near their level, but in a matchup, if they're going to put Klay Thompson on Damian Lillard, then you have to go through CJ because Steph is guarding CJ. So, you know, those are the types of scenarios that I'm talking about where CJ can really take advantage and you almost feel like you have to run everything through CJ. And I'm at the point where I want CJ to take pretty much all of the shots he doesn't really as a lot of people have pointed out he's not really looking to pass in those situations but sometimes you don't want someone with this team this year sometimes passing isn't the best call and I know that this team that's kind of antithetical to how the Blazers play and the flow offense and how everyone shares the ball and it's an equal opportunity offense where everyone has a chance to shoot but I'm kind of tired of seeing other people shoot and and down the stretch, I want CJ to shoot it, or I want Dame to shoot it, but Dame is going to get the most attention from opposing defenses, and that's the opportunity right there for CJ to really kill, and he has done that this season in the clutch, and last night was an exclamation point of sorts on a really good clutch season for him. As I mentioned, he's super efficient when games are close. By the way, the clutch statistics that I cited – those are the NBA deems those clutch situations as games that are within five points within the final five minutes. So if if one team's leading five points one way or another in the last five minutes, that's what they call clutch. So McCollum, one of the most efficient shooters, if not the most efficient shooter in the clutch this season in the league. So uh, he's pretty good. 
CJ McCollum. So it was funny. Lots of people talking today. Oh, is this is this CJ's team? I, I think that that's a great discussion topic, and I think really for me, what the what the discussion boils down to is, I think I think CJ deserves more of a share of the offense down the stretch. He has been getting a, a good share of it, but I think he could even get a little bit more. Uh, so j- just for, for reference, I, I, I talked about his, his efficiency in clutch statistics and he's actually played in more clutch games than Damian Lillard has because Lillard had that time where he had to sit out due to injury over the holidays and Lillard's still taken eight more field goal attempts in the clutch than, than McCollum has. So there is a little bit of uh, an unevenness there maybe that maybe could get remedied and I think would also just make the Blazers a more dangerous team. I think I think Lillard would welcome that and I think the Blazers would welcome that if it led to more victories. And so um, maybe the discussion should be, should CJ get more shots in the clutch? And I say absolutely. So... Uh, the Blazers get a big win against Dallas, help create a little bit more separation in the Western Conference standings in the race for eight. The Denver Nuggets are playing right now against the Atlanta Hawks, and they are losing. So if that holds and Atlanta holds on, the Blazers will make up a half game on Denver, and that would bring them to within a half game of the Nuggets. Right now, the Nuggets still hold the eighth seed in the West with a 23-28 and record. Portland is ninth at 23 and 30 they may gain even more distance between themselves and the teams below them if Sacramento loses to Boston tonight which is very possible the Mavericks lost at Denver and then lost to the Blazers on Tuesday so that brought them back to earth a little bit they're now two and a half games back of Portland and three and a half back of Denver Sacramento also two and a half back of the Blazers. Actually, there are three teams that are two and a half back of Portland and three and a half back of Denver. That is Sacramento, Dallas, and New Orleans all at 20 and 32. And then Minnesota, the team that I thought, think still has the potential to maybe catch the Blazers from behind. Uh, I don't think that anymore with the Zach Levine injury. And frankly, that argument was a little thin even before that injury, just because the Wolves have not found a way to really play consistent basketball and play good defense at all uh, under Tom Thibodeau. So, yeah, Blazers are are in a, a, a much better position than they were after the Dallas loss on Friday. The Oklahoma City loss hurt, but one that you can accept being that the Thunder are a better team than them, and Russell Westbrook is insane and had 42 points and and balled, and the Blazers couldn't stop him. You, you kind of understand that. Winning on the road for this team has been super difficult no matter who the opponent is, so for them to get a road win the other night is, is, is nice for them. Still a lot of work to do, but they... Uh, are right there behind the Denver Nuggets, and maybe the Hawks help them out with a win tonight to get them closer in that race for eight. But it looks like if it looks it looks right now that those two teams may be separating from the pack. There's a lot of season left, and obviously lots of time for those other teams behind them to make up ground. But uh, right now, it looks like Dallas and or Denver and Portland, excuse me, are starting to separate themselves a little bit in the 
battle for mediocrity that is the eighth seed in the Western Conference in 2017. Sorry about everything once again and all the delay and the lack of uh, volume of podcasts this week, but really appreciate you understanding the situation. Uh, All of you probably know, you know, things happen with family and and you just got to deal with them. So, uh, really appreciate your patience, uh, and, and and I really appreciate you sticking with us uh, on Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're working to get some 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 cool guests uh, in the future here, in the near future. So please keep it locked on Blazers, and you can do that by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, Google Play, TuneIn FM, wherever you can get a podcast. And uh, yeah, just uh. Keep listening. Tell your friends. If you'd like to advertise on the show, hit us up at LockdownBlazers at gmail.com. And you can follow me and my basketball rants and other rants about life, politics, what have you, at Eric underscore Gunderson. And we will be back again soon. The Blazers have a game on Thursday, which is tomorrow against the Boston Celtics, which will be a a TNT game. So that's uh, something you'll want to watch for. And maybe Portland can uh, pounce on a team that's coming on a a back-to-back, but uh, we'll see with this team. But it'll be uh, kind of a bummer for Evan Turner, I suppose, uh, to have to miss that game against his former team. But, yeah, we'll see how the Blazers do. They They beat Boston in Boston a couple of weeks ago, so... Let's see if they can hold serve at home, but it'll be, we'll see how they go with that without Evan Turner. So until then, until after Thursday's game, signing off, keep it locked on Blazers.